Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. We had our last regular season volleyball game this week. I said our. It's not our. It's my daughter's. But. We're all on this journey together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they won, and they did Woo-hoo. so amazing. Yeah, it was at the beginning of the season, super rough. Um, they came around by the end, and it was just such a great game and so cool and exciting to see how much they've all grown. And I sent Mandy a video where I was yelling and screaming, and Mandy said, I'm glad to see volleyball brings out some emotion in you. (laughs) (laughs) I did tear up, but it was incredible. It's just such a great season. I'm super thankful. But yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And um, Melissa was saying that she also put together these little goodie bags, and she said she feels now like you said you now feel like you are officially a volleyball mom. So yeah, I think you've earned that title this season. I was Googling like volleyball mom shirts like two days ago and I was like I have to stop like this is actually going too far (laughs) you have been inducted into the volleyball mom or indoctrinated one of them there was like a guacamole shirt you would like that one guacamole guacamole and avocado oh oh I love that if I was I mean yeah I'm not a volleyball mom but if I was yeah, you can be a volleyball friend of mom, right? <laughs> I can be a, an honorary volleyball mom. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Next year. Yeah. So um, last week we did a, the episode on The Watcher. Melissa, did yes. you have a chance to start or watch any of the Netflix series that came out also last week? I haven't started it yet. Have you? So I will be honest. I did start it and I fell asleep during the first episode. Well, so that's that not, that doesn't me. bode well. Yeah. Um, but I woke up and it was on like, Episode three. I don't know how long I was sleeping. <laughs> really long. That was a time. good nap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I haven't finished it, but it did look interesting from the few parts that I did see. So I do want to go back and try to watch it. But uh, I was just wondering if you had tried or made an attempt at watching that. No, Mandy. Did you watch Midsummer? Because all I did we got not. Were messages telling oh, me not to watch it. Yeah. So I. That was like immediately people heard you mention that movie and they just started writing to us. They were like, do not do that. Do not they watch took the internet. <laughs> they did. We got so many messages, so many emails from people that were just like, don't do it. Concerned. And, yeah. And I told Melissa, like, I was going to watch it anyway. And then I happened to see an email that came in like shortly after that. And the the lady who wrote to us uh, referenced a specific part of the movie and yeah. or made like a reference to it. And I was like, oh, actually, no, I don't think I want to watch that. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> about because everybody was saying no and I'm like there's like this small tiny rebellious side of me like super small that like for this (laughs) would be rebellious but then I read that part and I was like nope I don't need to see that so um I'm probably okay yeah so thank you guys for the warning on that one I do like scary movies and like creepy things but from the sounds of it that is like beyond what I they wear really pretty like floral headpieces so like it really got me (laughs) the aesthetic was amazing yeah Yeah. All right. So we'll get into um, our story for this week. Since 1987, October has actually been recognized as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the month was started as a way to connect and unite individuals and organizations working on domestic violence issues while also raising awareness for them. Although there's been great progress made over the last 30 years, the mission to support domestic violence victims and survivors and to hold their abusers accountable remains a top priority for the NCADV, and they work to create and update legislation to further those goals. 
Unfortunately, domestic violence is something that the world continues to struggle with, and the threat that domestic violence victims face is very real. Today's story is a cautionary tale that reminds us that sometimes even when we do everything right to protect ourselves and stay safe, it's not enough. There's still a lot of work to do when it comes to protecting victims of domestic violence and preventing their abusers from escalating violence against them. It was April 12th, 2021, when Alex Yan logged into Facebook and saw a post that immediately made his stomach sink. The post was by 36-year-old Sean Varsos, Alex's brother-in-law. Sean had been married to Alex's sister named Marie for eight years, although the couple had actually been together over 13 years after they met at a movie theater where they both worked back in 2006. Sean's Facebook post immediately sent chills down Alex's spine. It began with, quote, so Marie Varsos killed me. This is my dying declaration, end quote. So this note goes on to list all the grievances Alex had with his wife Marie, and he actually accused her of being mentally abusive towards him, which he alleged had traumatized him to the point that he was writing this Facebook post to let everyone know that he decided to end his own life. As soon as Alex reads this post, he feels uneasy, and he's well aware of the issues within his sister's marriage, but the issues were not quite the way Sean was making them out to be in his Facebook post. In fact, it was Sean who had been mercilessly abusing, threatening, and harassing Marie, not the other way around. After reading this post, Alex immediately tries to get in touch with his family. Marie had been living with their mom since filing for divorce from Sean just one month earlier, So Alex got on the phone and tried calling his mom's boyfriend named Jose. At first, Jose didn't answer the phone, but eventually Alex was able to get in touch with him. When Alex asked Jose if everything was all right, Jose told him no, everything was not okay. Sean Varsos was born on January 21st, 1985 in Homer, Alaska, but eventually he moved to Nashville and that's where he met Marie while working at the same movie theater she did. We believe Marie was a senior in high school at this time, and Sean may have already graduated, but he wasn't that much older than her. Marie graduated from high school in 2006 and then went on to Belmont University, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Pharmaceutical Studies in 2011. In May of 2013, Sean and Marie got married and settled in Nashville. Sean worked at Van Ryder Games while Marie worked on her Doctor of Pharmacy degree. In 2015, she finished that degree, and she began working at Walgreens as a pharmacist. Later, Marie decided that she wanted to further her education so that she could become a pharmacy manager. She completed a master's in business administration in May of 2020 and continued working for Walgreens as a managing pharmacist. She loved to help others, and she volunteered to assist in vaccinating elderly nursing home residents during the COVID-19 outbreak. A few years after Marie and Sean met, the movie theater they both worked at closed down after a flood, and a shooting range was then put in where it used to be. So the couple would sometimes go to this new shooting range and practice shooting together. But as the years went on, it became clear to Marie's family that her relationship with Sean was far from perfect. According to Alex, who as we said was Marie's brother, Sean was manipulative and narcissistic, but he was also very smart. Alex said that Sean wasn't necessarily prone to violent outbursts, but at times he would raise his voice when speaking to Marie, and other times he would speak in a more measured and almost soothing tone. After years of marriage, Marie and Sean separated in January 2021, and a couple of months later, Marie filed for divorce. She cited irreconcilable differences and inappropriate marital conduct. 
She then went to stay with her mom, Debbie, who lived in Lebanon, Tennessee. That's where Marie was living on April 12th, the day Sean posted that bone-chilling Facebook post indicating that he was going to take his own life. Things had not been easy in the months leading up to this day. Marie had been having a lot of problems with Sean since the day she filed for divorce on March 3rd. A few days after she filed, she had made arrangements with Sean to come by and pick up their two dogs at about 6.30 p.m. Marie went over to get the dogs, but then a short time later, some of Marie's co-workers at Walgreens started getting these strange text messages from Marie's phone. The messages said things that indicated that Marie had been having an inappropriate relationship with one of the other employees. These messages were really bizarre and random, so the person who got these messages actually called Marie's mom, Debbie, to see if she knew what was going on. When Debbie hears about this, she tells Alex, who then tries calling his sister multiple times before finally getting an answer. When Marie finally picks up, she tells Alex that she was still with Sean and that she would be leaving shortly. Alex then asks her about the text, but Marie seemed really confused, and then she just rushed to get off the phone. Alex calls back 10 minutes later, and Marie told him she was about to leave. It wasn't until Marie called her mom, Debbie, at about 8.25 p.m. that anyone knew what really happened. When Marie showed up to the house that evening to pick up the dogs, Sean started an argument with her right away and refused to let her inside the house. Marie, not wanting to further agitate Sean, attempted to just leave. But Sean grabbed her under the armpits and picked her up and carried her to the front porch and then told her that he wants to work things out. He then continues to escalate the situation further, grabbing Marie around the neck and strangling her until she passes out. Marie woke up on the floor inside the house. She had no idea how long she had been unconscious, but she knew that Sean was trying to take away her phone and her keys. Marie stood up, but Sean put her into a different room. According to Marie, Sean's mother was actually there at the house, and he told her to take the dogs and leave, and she did, leaving Sean alone there with Marie. Marie says that Sean then grabbed a gun, cocked it, and put it at her head. And we have so much more to get into this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Have you ever checked how many photos are just sitting on your phone? My current count is somehow over 17,000. And while they aren't all winners, in fact, a lot are probably just dumb memes that I send to Mandy, there are a few gems in there. But if you've ever tried to get photos printed, it can be a giant pain. But with canvasprints.com, it's really easy. The canvasprints.com site is really fantastic. It's intuitive and has an easy-to-use interface where you just upload your photo, pick the product, and add it to cart. There's no searching through the site for anything. It's really all right there, ready for you to get started. Plus, canvasprints.com is actually affordable while still having artist-quality prints. It's really the highest quality custom canvas prints at the lowest price. Plus, they are made in America and have outstanding customer service with a 100% money-back guarantee. I'm so happy with the prints I've had done from canvasprints.com. I actually had a few Etsy digital prints that I uploaded to canvasprints.com, and within minutes, I had ordered these beautiful canvas prints to hang in my hallway. The quality is really amazing, and I was able to hang these with ease. And canvasprints.com not only has canvas prints, but they also have fun things that would make the perfect gift for the people in your life, like custom totes, custom pillows, and even custom coasters like the ones I bought for my sister. 
Right now, canvasprints.com has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to canvasprints.com and use code MOMS25 to get 25% off your entire order of canvas prints, canvas wall displays, metal prints, photo tiles, photo blankets and pillows, and much more. Why not start and finish your holiday shopping early with this amazing offer? That's canvasprints.com and use code MOMS25 for 25% off your entire order. I remember as a kid being told I needed to go to sleep and wanting to stay up later while my parents are saying, when you're older, you're going to wish you could go to sleep earlier, all while thinking what a bizarre statement that was because I would never, ever willfully want to go to sleep. Cut to now when I'm literally counting down the minutes to bedtime. And thanks to my sleep number bed, I'm sleeping better than ever. When I'm sleeping on my sleep number setting at a 30, my sleep IQ is between an 85 and 90, which is incredible as someone who loves sleep as an adult, but has always struggled with actually getting a good night's sleep. My sleep number bed is heaven. It helps me get that quality sleep that helps me out during my waking hours. Having a good night's sleep means I can be my best self. Achieving good sleep used to feel like this magical, mythical thing, but now with my sleep number bed, it's a dream I can actually achieve. One thing I really love is that I can customize the sleep I get with my sleep number setting. For me, I've discovered that my perfect sleep number setting is a 30, but occasionally I even go down to a 25 for a softer, fluffier night's sleep. I always wake up feeling like I got the best night of sleep of my life, and I'm regularly sleeping at a sleep IQ score of 87, which means I am sleeping better than ever. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because to be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash moms. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were just getting into some of the abusive incidents that Marie had suffered at the hands of her soon-to-be ex-husband, Sean. Marie had filed for divorce in early March of 2021, and within three days, Sean attacked her when she went to pick up their dogs from him. Sean's own mother was at the house when he began assaulting Marie. And at one point, he told his mom to take the dogs and leave, so she did, leaving Sean and Marie alone in the house. Sean pulled a gun and pointed it at Marie's head and threatened to shoot her. Sean then demanded that Marie hand over her phone, which he used to send pre-saved text messages to Marie's friends. These messages talked about how she didn't want to be friends with them anymore because she needed space to work on her relationship with Sean. He also sent those messages to the Walgreens employees about Marie allegedly having an affair with an employee there. Marie wrote out the details of this terrifying attack in a request for an order of protection later. She said that Sean hit her in the face that night and told her she deserved all of this. He pointed the gun at her while she pleaded with him not to hurt her. Marie said that Sean even put the gun in his own mouth for a moment, but then he took it out and said he just didn't know what to do. He admitted that his plan had been to kill Marie and then himself, which is why he already had those text messages written out. Sean told Marie that he was going to kill her friends too, because he said she deserved it. And he said that if she went to the police, he would shoot her friends and family, and he had a list of all of their names and addresses. Marie said that she talked to Sean for an hour and a half, and eventually he let her go after she promised not to tell anybody about what happened. Once Marie was safely out of the house, she immediately called her mom, who then called the police, while Marie drove back towards her mom's house. Wow. At 8.31 that evening, Marie's brother Alex called the Lebanon Police Department and asked them to send a cruiser to Debbie's house so they could speak to Marie. 
At 8.45 p.m., Marie and the Lebanon police show up at Debbie's house and took an initial report and some photos of Marie. The Lebanon police called the Metro Nashville police to file the report over the phone, but they were told that Marie had to file the report in person, which is wild to me that one police station is telling another police station right. they have to do anything when it comes to this. So at 9.30 p.m., Marie, Alex, Debbie, and Debbie's boyfriend, Jose, all drove down to the Metro Nashville Police Department to file this. They called the non-emergency line when they got there and were told that an officer would be there soon to file a report with. When no one arrived, they called back 10 minutes later and said they were concerned about Sean's mental state because he had threatened to kill himself and Marie's family. At 10 p.m., an officer still had not shown up. This is somebody who's already choked this woman. Right. She went unconscious. Exactly. Threatens to kill her, threatens to kill everyone he knows. She knows, and no one seems to be taking this very seriously. So then the family calls to find out how long it's going to be, and they were told that a shift change was happening, and that if they went to a different police station, it would be quicker. But when they arrived at the other station, all the doors were locked, and the parking lot was completely empty. Oh, this would be so frustrating. Right? And how fearful this would be this entire time, and you're just like going through the steps that they're telling you to do, and no one's helping you. So once again, the family called the police and they were told to wait. The dispatcher said they were working on getting someone out to them, but there was nobody in the precinct at that moment. The dispatcher said, quote, what's going to happen is a patrol car is going to have to free up from whatever they're doing and come, but they do have to take those life-threatening emergencies first, end quote. Marie and Debbie were baffled by this because they couldn't understand how Marie's situation was not life-threatening. Like, this seems to be the definition of a life-threatening emergency if someone's literally saying they're going to kill you. Right. And like we said, how frustrating is that to be in that situation and being literally scared for your life and having, you know, the dispatcher basically saying, like, meh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, somebody will get to you whenever they get to you. Like, that's just, oh my gosh, that would just be very upsetting. According to NPR, experts say that strangulation and threats with a gun are the two biggest warning signs that domestic violence could become lethal. The former director of the Domestic Violence Assessment Center, Robert Holdford, said that, quote, domestic violence offenders are not all the same. They pose different levels of risk. Even if different offenders are charged with the same crime, they still pose different levels of risk. There's a whole range of offenders, not any real classifications. And that, of course, makes sense because we know that there are all types of abuse are not exactly the same. There are the levels of severity and the levels of risk, as he said, are definitely different. So it does uh, make it more difficult to tell how or if a particular offender is actually going to escalate the violence against their victim. The Shelby County Chief Domestic Violence Prosecutor pointed out how hard it is to predict because some violent offenders never escalate to murder, while others go from pushing and shoving and vandalism straight to murder. The only exception is when an offender chokes a victim and they survive. Research has shown that once a perpetrator tries to strangle someone, they are 750% more likely to kill them with a gun later. That is insane 750% more likely to kill them with a gun later I mean to me that almost reads as almost certainly if they can they're going to you know what I mean like that statistic is absolutely frightening and it's I mean I think if nothing else you get from this episode that statistic is one thing because it stands out it stands out and people do need to be aware 
Absolutely. So when it comes to strangulation, it is a clear sign of what is likely to come next. Robert Holdford said that because of the varying levels of risk, the treatment needs to be different and individualized, and there needs to be programs in place so that the court can make informed decisions about how to proceed with a particular offender. But it's clear that there is still a long way to go. In 2020, there were 69,385 reported cases of domestic violence in Tennessee alone, including 90 murders. This ranks Tennessee number nine in the nation when it comes to the rate that men kill women. So the more time that passed without an officer showing up to take the report from Marie and her family, the more frustrated they all became. Her brother Alex continued to call the police, and at one point he told the dispatcher that he was really trying to be appreciative and to just wait as long as possible, but his sister had been choked to the point of passing out, and then her husband threatened to shoot her and himself, and Alex said, quote, so my patience is gone. As you can imagine, oh my gosh. Right. At 11.30 p.m., Marie finally saw an officer pull into the parking lot and flagged him down, and the family was finally able to make a report. Marie was taken to the Family Safety Center where she was interviewed. The officer that took her statement noted that Marie had marks on her neck consistent with strangulation and that she also had a chipped tooth, which she believes occurred when she passed out. At this point, it had been over five hours since the attack. The Metro Nashville police captain later said that this time frame was completely unacceptable for a response time for a victim, which thank you for noticing. Wow, yeah. After Marie gave her statement, Sean was charged with felony aggravated assault and misdemeanor false imprisonment. They went to arrest him, but you'll never believe this. He was nowhere to be found. So then a warrant was issued for his arrest. Marie was in fear for her own safety, so she also went immediately and filed for an order of protection through the Davidson County Sheriff's Office. She told the police that she was scared Sean was going to carry out his plan to murder her and her family. She said he had a gun, and she believed he was willing to use it. On the paperwork, Marie specifically marked the box that said, quote, Please order the respondent not to have, possess, buy, receive, use, or in any other way get any firearm, end quote. So after this order of protection request was filed, the deputy chief of civil warrants called Sean and told him that he had two options. Number one, he could come to the station to be served the papers, or number two, deputies could come to his house and serve him. Sean agreed to come to the sheriff's office. He ended up walking into the office, picking up the paperwork, and walking back out. Oh my gosh. The arrogance. I mean, just, right? There's just absolutely just to be able to walk in and walk out knowing what you're picking up is just wild. So at this time, the Davidson County Sheriff's Office didn't know that Sean actually had those warrants out for assault and false imprisonment. According to News Channel 5, Nashville is actually one of the only places where the Sheriff's Office doesn't handle arresting criminals. They mainly handle civil cases. The police department handle criminal cases, and there's no policy in place that requires the two departments to coordinate on warrants. So even if the Sheriff's Office knew about the warrants, they wouldn't have been able to detain him anyway. That blows my mind. Uh, really? I mean, there's so many things in this story where you just think, what? Like policies that need to be changed and such. But this is one where you just think, oh, my gosh. So, of course, they didn't check the warrant. They couldn't even arrest him right. if they had seen it. But my goodness. How crazy. Yeah. So Sean remained on the loose for two days. 
Marie ended up finding out that Sean was at his mom's house because she had been texting with his mom about their dogs. And at some point, Sean's mom mentioned that he was with her. So Marie alerted the police to Sean's whereabouts, and they were able to go and arrest him there. After his arrest, Marie called the police station just to make sure they had her correct contact information because she wanted to be notified when Sean was released from jail. She was really concerned about this because she had actually previously requested to be notified when Sean was served the papers and when he was arrested, but nobody had notified her of either of those things. <laughs> yeah. And when she was, you know, she asked why she wasn't notified, she was told that she needed to contact other offices about this. On March 11th, just three hours after his arrest, Sean bonded out of jail for $3,000. As a condition of his release, he was forbidden from contacting Marie and from having access to his guns, and his criminal court date was scheduled for July. Sean should have never been released after only six total hours in custody. There actually is a law in Tennessee that requires domestic violence suspects to spend at least 12 hours in jail before being able to leave on bond. So this was a mistake on the part of the police but not as big as the next mistake, which was, once again, failing to notify Marie that Sean was being released from jail that same day. Furthermore, nobody ever checked to see whether or not Sean stopped having access to firearms. Tennessee Code gives officers the ability to confiscate weapons used by or threatened to be used by the abuser if there's probable cause, but it's up for debate which agencies exactly are supposed to be doing the removing of the firearms from a domestic violence defendant's possession. According to Becky Bullard with the Nashville Office of Family Safety, this is a huge gaping hole of issues. WPLN reported that more than a third of perpetrators in domestic violence homicides from 2018 to 2020 should not have had access to a gun. One of the biggest issues in the state of Tennessee is that if a person has been ordered to turn over their guns, they have actually a lot of options. They can give the guns to a licensed firearm dealer, they can give them to law enforcement, or for reasons that I really do not understand, they are allowed to give them over to a friend or a relative. That seems like the absolute worst option. You might as well just say, why don't you put it in your front seat? Just keep it there. Right, exactly. And and it it seems like one of those things where it's like common sense, right? Like if somebody is threatening to use a gun, why would you allow them to give that weapon to somebody who they can easily get it back from? Exactly. That doesn't no, make any no sense. sense. It should be law enforcement, period. <laughs> right. <That's it. laughs> that, that's where the end of the line is, right. So in Sean's case, he claimed that he would give his guns to his father, but there's no documentation of that ever happening. On March 22nd, Sean and Marie had their order of protection hearing, but Sean didn't show up. Instead, his attorney attended the hearing for him, and his attorney said that he had dispossessed himself of all firearms, but again, nobody ever checked to make sure that was actually true. My gosh. Three weeks later, Sean had a total breakdown. He logged into Facebook and drafted out a long post, which is the one we've mentioned a few times. The full post is pretty long, but in part it read, quote, So Marie Varsos killed me. She lied to me and destroyed me. This is my dying declaration. She broke into our formerly shared home and tried to grab her gun after making me feel incredibly threatened. It escalated things to a terrible confrontation. She had an emotional affair, at the very least, with one of her employees who was almost a decade younger than her and became completely infatuated with her lying to me about where she was spending the night and who she was with. 
She gaslit me for months about this affair and her communication with her mistress. He goes on to say, quote, she stole opiates from her work for me, but not at my request. I actually heavily chastised her for it and told her never to do it again. She took my muscle relaxers without my permission so that she could sleep better, end quote. Okay, so there's too much to unpack in that really, like all lies, clearly, all right. trying to make him the victim and her, you know, seem like a villain monster exactly but then this whole thing about these opiates like she's stealing it for him but yet she's taking his muscle relaxers why wouldn't she just steal muscle relaxers for For herself herself. right that doesn't make a lick of sense he also referenced marie's family and said terrible things about them including that they could not be trusted in any way sean claimed he could no longer live with the quote-unquote, abuse Marie was putting him through, and that he couldn't handle having his abuser go free, quote, because mental abuse isn't illegal, end quote. He also said, quote, I didn't snap and go after random people. I went after the person who tried to kill me, and when she failed at driving me to suicide, tried to destroy my life in every other meaningful way. It is my sincere opinion that this was justice, but I paid for my justice with my life. I'm so sorry I failed so many of you. My mom has my suicide note if you care. She didn't know this was coming. No one did, but she will know by now. If you don't, I understand. May you all find the peace and happiness I was denied, end quote. When Marie's brother Alex sees this post, he immediately knew that it was a suicide note, and he became immediately concerned for Marie's safety as well. When Alex was finally able to get in touch with Jose, who was his mom, Debbie's boyfriend, he learned that things were not okay at all. And we have still more to get into after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. This week was one of those weeks where I needed to be at 10 different places and had 40 different things going on, which means my anxiety is at an 11. But one thing I've learned in weeks like this is to channel that anxiousness into problem solving mode. And that's something I've learned through therapy and with BetterHelp. Rather than going full chicken little and thinking the sky is falling, I'm able to channel my anxiety through coping skills like writing lists and making plans. It's an amazing benefit of my time with my BetterHelp therapist. If you've never tried therapy, BetterHelp is a great option. Not only is it entirely online, but it's convenient, accessible, and affordable. And you can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. And if you find that you like your therapist, but maybe they aren't a perfect match, that's no problem. You can switch therapists at any time. For me, my appointments with my therapist are invaluable. There are weeks I have a lot on my chest that I need an unbiased person to just hear me rant about. Or when I'm feeling particularly anxious, I'm able to get out my thoughts and work through them in a constructive way. For me, therapy's been a game changer in my life. And if you're someone who deals with anxiety or depression, it can be for you as well. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash moms. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions, even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? Get started today. It only takes about five minutes to open an account with Capital One, and there's no minimum to open and keep your account. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One NA member FDIC. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? 
Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Now back to the episode. 
So before the break, we were talking about this very lengthy Facebook post that Sean Varsos has written out, and it appears to be a suicide note. And Marie's brother, Alex, has seen this post and became very concerned because he knows of the lengthy history between his sister, Marie, and Sean. So on the morning of April 12th, Sean left his house with a shotgun and a handgun, as well as a taser, some duct tape, gasoline, zip ties, and battery acid. He drove a rental car to Debbie's house where Marie was staying and parked it across the street. For 45 minutes, Sean waited outside the house before he saw Marie and Debbie. It was during that 45-minute period that Sean was writing that Facebook post. Shortly before 8 a.m., Marie stepped outside of the house to go to work. When she saw Sean, she ran back inside and locked the door, but Sean followed behind her with zip ties, the taser, and his guns. It is Alex's belief that Sean originally planned to kidnap Marie before killing her, but things didn't go as planned. While Sean was trying to break in through the front door, Debbie and Marie called 911 and grabbed their own guns for protection. Sean made his way to the back of the house and broke through the back door, so Debbie and Marie ran out the front door and hid between the houses in the neighborhood. Sean went outside and hunted these women down, shooting Debbie in the back first, killing her instantly. After her mom had been shot, Marie fired shots back at Sean while yelling for the neighbors to stay inside their homes. Marie managed to hit Sean three times, but none were fatal or even incapacitating. Sean was still actively attacking her. Sadly, Sean was able to fire the shotgun once more, killing Marie. After he shot both women, Sean went back to the rental car and posted that note to Facebook. At this point, he was suffering badly from three gunshot wounds and he was severely injured. He started to drive towards his own house, but he stopped about a mile away and used one of his guns to take his own life. When the police were notified about the shooting at Debbie's house, they started a manhunt for Sean and issued an alert for area residents to stay inside with their doors locked until they located him. A short time later, they found Sean's car on the side of the road with his body inside. When news of Marie and Debbie's murders came out, Marie's divorce attorney said that Marie, quote, had done what everyone says is the right thing to do. Sadly, she couldn't escape the violence, end quote. The attorney's statement continued, quote, We are devastated that the order of protection that our client obtained was not enough to keep she and her mother from being the latest victims of domestic violence against women in Tennessee. Their deaths will serve as a grim reminder that an order of protection alone is not the solution to the problem of domestic violence, and we hope this tragedy will result in a renewed effort on the part of our lawmakers to address the systemic issues related to protection of domestic assault victims and the prosecution of their abusers. In the wake of his mom and sister's deaths, Alex set out to figure out exactly what happened to them. He later spoke before Congress and said, quote, I set about the process of trying to understand what, if anything, could have been done to save them. I wanted to make sure that no one, no family, had to endure what we had to go through, end quote. Alex actually put together a timeline of everything leading up to the murders. His timeline was actually a huge help to the research for this episode. Alex said that in many ways, Marie really had the odds in her favor compared to many other victims of domestic violence. Marie had a safe place to stay, she had family nearby to advocate for her, and the time and resources to navigate Nashville's entire system. Alex wonders who the system is working for if it didn't work for someone like Marie. 
And I have chills even saying that. I just got goosebumps too. It, to even be able to look at it like that and say, if anybody, she she was able to stay with her family members. Her family knew about the abuse, so it wasn't. She had she, help and support, which is something she, so many don't have. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's 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 huge. And she had all that and still wasn't able to. Something is broken there. So Alex took his research into the murders to heart and he retraced everything. What he found were many irregularities, loopholes and failures in the system that led to Marie and Debbie's deaths. Alex told News Channel 5 that it was hard to find even one element that went right. He told NPR that during his personal investigation into what happened, he went through Marie's computer and he ended up finding out that she had actually been documenting Sean's abuse and all the things she'd been doing to try and get away from him. She left notes to herself, she saved screenshots of text messages from Sean, and had audio recordings of some of their fights and of threats that Sean made against her. For example, in one recording, Sean told Marie that he was going to make their divorce as awful as possible. Another recording, taken during the March 7th attack, captured Marie shouting, quote, Stop, don't put your hands on me, end quote. I can't imagine Alex finding these things um, after you know, that his mom and sister were shot and right. how hard it would be to have to find, you know, this documentation of the abuse that had been taking place and yeah. especially hearing, you know, arguments and hearing your sister mm-hmm. saying things like that, like absolutely the most heartbreaking thing, I think, especially after somebody has been murdered, you know, to have yeah. to hear that after the fact is just so hard. So Ruth Glenn of the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence told NPR that domestic violence victims across the nation face similar barriers to what Marie faced. Glenn said, quote, our systems are not set up as properly as they could be to address the unique needs of every domestic violence victim. Glenn said to protect the victims, there needs to be a coordinated response. But this response would involve so many separate agencies that just don't work together. This creates a safety net with too many holes in it. Glenn said that as Marie's case illustrates, the safety net full of holes is a problem because domestic violence abusers are, quote, incredibly determined. She said, quote, when they decide that something bad is going to happen, it's almost impossible to stop them. They will cut off a GPS. They will go put a false record to get a gun. They will sit in the dark for two hours. The list goes on and on, end quote. Alex believes that at the end of the day, Sean was going to kill Marie no matter what, but that there are things that could have been in place to make it a lot harder for him. The court could have ordered Sean to wear a GPS tracker, for example. This would be a simple step that would have made it so that the police could see his location before he committed a double murder. Alex actually asked the DA's office why they didn't use a tracker, and they said they hadn't seen GPS trackers used in domestic violence cases before. Okay, But it still seems like, I mean, but why couldn't you still? I mean, it doesn't. Right. Well, you know what that, I mean, like not to go back too far, but when, when police were able to send out an alert to everyone, once Marie and her mom had been killed, like they were able to alert everyone. It should be that simple. If there's something, he has a GPS thing on and he's cut it off. It should be that simple to send Marie an alert or whatever. There should be something there's we have the technology we can do it yeah so alex said that if his mom and sister were still alive they would try and find a way to fight for changes so that what happened to them would never happen to anybody else alex worked with kathy walsh from the tennessee coalition to end domestic violence to draft four bills sponsored by legislators to protect victims in the future sadly only one of the bills passed due to concerns about expenses and implementation 
The act that did pass, Senate Bill 2746, uh, requires a sheriff, a deputy sheriff, or a constable serving an order of protection or ex parte order of protection to make reasonable efforts prior to or at the time of service to determine whether the person being served has an outstanding criminal warrant. One of the bills that did not pass would have required GPS monitoring for people charged with domestic violence offenses. Alex told NPR that passing only one of the bills just wasn't enough. He said, quote, for them, they view it as one thing that went wrong with their agency, but coupled together, there are like eight things that went wrong for this person that is dealing with the government to try and get the help they needed. Alex said he will return to Tennessee state capitol as many times as it takes to close the gaps that Marie fell through. So we have some resources to share with you guys. And the first being Kimberly Page, a crisis counselor at the Family Safety Center in Nashville, told News Channel 5 that statistics show that when a victim leaves, they often find themselves in more danger than before. She said, quote, the earlier they reach out, the more opportunities there are to provide services, end quote. Fear can keep some people from reaching out, but many resources can create a plan to help victims leave. She also said, Quote, all of our services are free and confidential, so someone doesn't have to be involved with the police to receive our services. If they are interested in our services but not in prosecution, we still provide services, end quote. You can find more information about the Family Safety Center at ofs.nashville.gov slash family hyphen safety hyphen center, and we will have that linked in the show notes. And if you aren't in the Nashville area and you need help finding a similar resource to the Family Safety Center, we can help find those for you. You can also call the Nationwide Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can chat at thehotline.org or text START to 88788. Again, text START to 88788. All three of these are 24-7, they're free, and they're confidential. And of course, there's many other resources on the Domestic Violence Hotline website. And I also saw this quote uh, from Alex that I just wanted to add here at the end. And he said, quote, I get notifications for banking codes and other stuff. Could there have been a text notification to let domestic violence victims know their accusers have been arrested, end quote? Which I feel like that's what it all comes down to. Had Marie known that day that Alex was just was released and could possibly be, be sitting outside of her house. Right. She could have been prepared. Clearly, she knew how to take a shot. They had practiced shooting before. She had a gun. She had all those things. But to just walk outside your house and have no idea that was coming, right? she had no chance. Not even knowing that he had been released from no. jail the same day that he went there. Like, that's just... I do find that unacceptable. And the fact that she called and said, I want to make sure you have my correct information because it's really important for me to know, you know, where he Absolutely. is and what the status is. And the fact that she didn't, was never notified about anything that was going on um, with his arrests or with anything. Like it's, it's right. very sad and definitely unacceptable. I think we definitely need to fix that. Yeah, I want to look into stuff in Florida to start here since that's where we are and to see if there's anything we can help with because just seeing how many things here went absolutely awry and just only one of these things needed to work out. Obviously, he was determined to kill her. But like uh, Alex was saying, it should have been a lot harder. He shouldn't right. have had carte blanche to just walk in and, you know, get get paperwork and leave with his warrants and just leave and nobody has any idea where he is. That's absolutely unacceptable, as you were saying. Yeah. All right, Melissa, are we ready to move on to last thing before we go? 
We are. Okay, so if you are new to listening to our show, last thing before we go is kind of a palate cleanser that we do at the end. It's always nonsense, so you might hear the rest of the show and think, oh my gosh, that's a very serious episode. It is. But here's where we kind of try to leave you on a bit of a higher note. Um, And what we're going to do this week, we've never tried this. I kind of explained it to Mandy on text. I'm coming in blind, basically. Totally blind. (laughs) So it should be fun. So Mandy, what we're going to do is count to three, and then we're both going to say one word. So maybe I say butterfly, and you say um, piano. And then we both know what the other one said. We're trying to ultimately get to the same word. So (laughs) then maybe, you know, I say music and you say sheets or, you know, whatever. So we're trying to get closer and closer, right? It's going to be ridiculous. But wait, we're going to say a word at the same time. Yep. And then from those answers we both give, try to figure out where we're going with it. Like trying to get into more general, I'm getting more into specifics until we hopefully land on the same word. And it can be... A mess. Okay, ready? So count of three, we'll both say our first word. Ready? One, two, three. Computer. Plants. Okay. Computer and plants. Let's see where we're going to go now. <laughs> ready? One, two, three. Water. Oh, wait. Oh. I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try again. So Hold computer... on. So wait, it has to be related to the last word I said Not or no? like actually related, but what we're... The ultimate goal is for both of us, like how you said plants, for both of us to say plants. So if you hear... What do, what do our words have in common? Maybe inside something we're trying to eventually get to the same words. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to start all the way over. Ready? All right. One, two, three, tree. Cup. Okay. Tree and cup. One, two, three, drink. Grass. Okay. So <laughs> I went your way and you went my way. <laughs> One, two, three, leaves. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're just going back and forth. Okay. One, two, three, water. Okay. We're in the same family now. We're both Both indoors. We're both indoors. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, water and milk. One, two, three, cereal. Okay, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, ice. Spoon. Oh! <laughs> okay, ready? One, two, three, plate. Chocolate. What? <laughs> okay, 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 we got it. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. One, two, three, ice Waffle. cream. Okay, okay, okay. I think we both know where to go now. Ready? Do we? Yes. Okay, ice cream and waffle. We both know where to go. Ready? One, two, three, cone. Breakfast. Freaking A, Mandy. I was like, waffle cone. We got it. So oh, my got- gosh. Cone obviously would make yes. the most sense. Breakfast. Okay, so cone and breakfast. Now we're getting, we're right back in, in the same problem. Okay, ready? Cone and breakfast. I'm just going for it. One, two, three. Kitchen. Peanut butter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Peanut butter kitchen. Let's think of something that both of those could be. Ready? Oh, dear God. Please, let's do this. <laughs> One, two, three. Bread. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. 
I don't know about this game. Okay, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Okay. I swear. But you can't say bread now. You've taken that off our list. Okay, so it's kitchen and peanut butter. Ready? One, two, three. Toast. Knife. Dang it. (laughs) Okay, knife and toast. I think we can get here. Please don't overthink this. Okay. Specifically think about yours. We're going to get there with yours. Ready? (laughs) One, two, three. Butter. Toast. (laughs) I thought we were going with knife and toast. Butter makes the most sense. So we have butter and toaster. I don't know that I can do this anymore. I got to be honest. Butter and toaster. Okay. 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 Just... I'm about to get us out of the kitchen. I don't think I can do this anymore. How is it this bad? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Butter and toaster. One, two, three. Bagel. Fork. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bagel. Let's go bagel. Mandy? Bagel and what? Mandel. Fork. It doesn't even matter what I said, but let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Cream cheese. <laughs> What were you going to say? <laughs> Salmon. <gasps> Mandy. <gasps> we were so set up for success. I'm so hungry right now. Okay, we're done. This is done. We we lost. There's just no... So I don't we think should we have had go- it with waffle and ice cream. We should have gotten a cone. Cone. That was my it fault. Was- <laughs> that was totally my fault. <laughs> okay, well, that was fun. Um, <laughs> that was interesting. I we, like it. Yeah, it was... It's funny when you see like you hear people like getting things so close and like you're like, all right, they're going to get it. And then to get. <laughs> yeah. So we almost had it. So hopefully that was fun for you guys. And not a, oh, I definitely think I hit my table one time when we got from toaster to bread <laughs> or butter. So um, that's the show for this week, everyone. Um, before we go, though, we want to play the promo from uh, the podcast Missing by Crawl Space. And it's about missing persons. And Crawl Space, Tim and Lance, they're amazing. You guys know them. You guys love them. And this is their show, Missing. So we will play that um, on our way out. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Your teenager just raided the fridge and walked out the back door. Bye, Mom. He yelled something over his shoulder that you only half heard. This is the last time you've seen him. You try to remember those words to help the police find him, but you can't. What if your daughter disappeared? Your mother? Your son? What if years have passed and you're no closer to finding them? When a person disappears, the story doesn't stop there, especially for families. Each week, Missing brings you stories of missing persons and justice sourced from the case file of the nonprofit Private Investigations for the Missing. Together, we help raise awareness, elicit tips, and put pressure on police to keep searching. Listeners say Missing is the most binge-worthy podcast of all time. Search Missing wherever you listen to podcasts. Missing, where mysteries have a mission. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com, where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.